We're open for business life. This is Sheffield Live. Begbie's Trainer is an independent business rescue and recovery specialist. If your business has financial challenges requiring professional insights and solutions, Begbie's Trainer can help. We provide advice designed to help people and companies deal successfully with debt and financial problems. And wherever possible, we will find the best solution that allows for active steps towards financial recovery. Begbie's Trainer is an independent business rescue and recovery specialist. We're committed to providing a rapid and responsive service based on in-depth experience, professionalism and independent specialist expertise. Contact our Sheffield office or visit begbiz-trainergroup.com. We're open for business life. Good morning. It's just after nine o'clock. It's Friday. It's the 15th of September 2017. I'm Jamie Veach. I'm your host for the next hour for Sheffield Live's business and social enterprise programme, Business Live. We're broadcasting live from the Sheffield Live studio in the centre of Sheffield, above the showroom workstation. The show's going out on FM radio and also through our internet live stream. However, you're listening. The programme will also be available as a podcast later from the Sheffield Live website. And talking podcasts, if you missed last week's programme featuring Ant Clifford of design ag- website design agency Creative Stream, you can catch it on the Sheffield Live website. Go to sheffieldlive.org, look up radio shows, find Business Live, and the programme is there. Last week, Ant discussed how to brief your web designer. The absolute one crucial, critical thing that you really need to think about and put right at the top of your website brief. So if you missed that, some sage advice there from Ant. You can catch the podcast. But what's on the show today, you ask? Well, I can tell you, if you have ever wanted to assert your rights, your rights as a citizen, your rights as a consumer, if you've struggled with getting big corporates to put their wrongs right, then Scott Colvin can help you. He's written a book called How to Use Politicians to Get What You Want. It's an informal how-to guide for consumers, for pressure groups, residence groups, and so on. Businesses and social enterprises can use this too, to demonstrate how you can use your local and your national politicians to help to assert your rights. Now, whatever you think of politicians, and particularly since the expenses scandal erupted public opinion towards politicians, has hit rock bottom. Many people don't realise that politicians can be used to really, really help you in a range of situations in everyday life. And Scott Colvin, who's worked in national and local politics, has written the book on how to do that. I went along to meet Scott on Tuesday to interview him, and we've got a 25-minute interview with Scott That's coming up later in the programme today. That'll be on at about half past nine. But before that, we have another treat in store. Because live in the studio with me, joining me today, is Curtis Wright of Sheffield Community Technologies. And it's his second or even third time in the Sheffield Live radio studio with me. Curtis, good morning. Good morning, Jamie. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you today? Very good. It's been uh, quite a few months since the last time we spoke and I was... uh, live on air yes indeed so you came in before and you talked about uh sheffield pound yes sheffield pound and um 
Sheffield Pound is now Loki Pay. Uh, is that the right way to say it? L O C I P A Y? Um, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it incorrect as well. Lochi, I Lo- believe, is the correct uh, pronunciation. Got it, right. And uh, thank you. A peer-to-peer payment and loyalty reward platform. Yes. And is uh, part of... Um, part of Sheffield Community Technologies, which is the, uh, a venture that you, you have launched since, since you were last on the programme. So tell us about, first of all, Sheffield Community Technologies. W- what is it? What yeah, do you do? Course. And uh, why do you do it? And uh, w- what are your plans? Sure. Well, Sheffield Community Technologies, um, it's been cre- created with a vision of becoming a long-standing legacy organisation for the city of Sheffield. Um, Ultimately, we aim to be delivering a new technology-based product or service to benefit our city's residents, local businesses, along with helping to make Sheffield become a smart city. Okay, so delivering new technology-based products, helping make Sheffield a smart city. Right, what kind of products are you going to be delivering? Well, our first two ventures are, uh, one is Loki Pay, which you mentioned, but uh, one is called Sheffield Independent Business Services, which is open for business on on Monday morning. Right, grand. So, um, as an organisation, we try and work very agile and consumer-driven yeah. and take a lot of uh, input and feedback from local residents. And essentially, um, when I was creating a lot of, sorry, conducting a lot of market research and seeking input from local residents and business owners for the Sheffield Pay, sorry, Sheffield Pound platform, yeah, a lot of businesses said, Curtis, it's great, I love it. What else can you help us with? Mm-hmm. I thought, hmm. Sorry, guys, I'm a little bit busy trying to build this technology platform. After about the 25th business owner that said exactly the same, Curtis, we love it. What else can you help us with? You know, you're a former banker. We get ripped off on these fees, these prices. You know, I'm, I'm st- struggling to run my business. The penny drops. Mm. So Sheffield Independent Business Services, essentially what it is, it's a financial aggregator. Okay. I've created another money supermarket uh, compare the market.com but it's specifically and exclusive for our local independent businesses across the city okay exclusive for local independent businesses in the city financial aggregator what does that mean what will it do how will it help the uh, businesses uh, many of whom have told you and said to you curtis what can you do for me (laughs) so in very simple terms uh, all of the services products operating costs and overheads that a company will incur i've gone out to the market i have agreements with it's now up to 76 uh product providers and suppliers across the uk where i've kind of pitched my idea i said look this is a community-backed venture i'm doing this to save money for local independent businesses mm-hmm. i want the best rates possible for what will be my clients okay. so i have the agreements in place um it's completely free of charge for all local independent businesses uh there is other services similar to this in sheffield but they do charge a, a fee and, and, and some are quite high actually the fees it mm-hmm. really surprised me when i found out so we act as a consultant we want to become a trusted advisor with the business owner where we can help them reduce their operating costs and overheads to ultimately save their money, to drive their business, to increase their profits and hopefully expand their business and create new jobs in the city. 
Yeah. That, that is a short-term, well, short, mid and long-term vision for uh, the independent business services. Okay, great. So this is about, say, uh, local independent businesses uh, who are buying, for example, telecoms, broadband or energy, utilities, insurance, uh, vehicle finance, yeah. um, and, uh, and and many more. You said you've reached agreement so far with 76 suppliers. 76, yeah. yeah. Okay, grand. So, so the potential savings for an independent business... Yeah. could be considerable. Well, those two test cases uh, were what I called my test uh, tenders, uh, yeah. where one was a local coffee shop. And one second, I have the exact figure. £246. We save yeah. them. Okay, so that's... Just changing one supplier. That's only one changing only one supplier. one supplier. Right. Okay. And it was really interesting, and it was... It was actually a humble experience to sit down with this individual and talk through their business and really see the pressures and the pains and the stress that they were under. Mm. And they just didn't have time to look at this. They didn't have time to focus on this. No. So that's why I said a moment ago, we, we want to be a trusted advisor. You know, we want to help the business save money and grow. Yep. Uh, I, I think the key, the key point which I need to sort of highlight here is that going back to Sheffield Community Technologies, I've structured this in a way where we're a non-for-profit organisation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been successful where I've got backing and I won a grant from Unlimited. Yeah, Unlimited, uh, the organize, national organisation. Correct, with, with yeah. Endowment so, support social entrepreneurs. Yes, yeah. so, so, so I won a nationwide award as a social entrepreneur. Yeah. And that cash which I've won has been put straight into Sheffield Community Technologies. Right. Okay. So all of these lovely websites... <laughs> that yeah. you can see have been created you know that, that's kind of off the back of unlimited i see um yeah. i've also got the backing of the social enterprise exchange here in sheffield yeah Gramwork south yorkshire and sheffield chamber of commerce are fully supportive of this yes and they're uh, they're putting a news report out for uh, sheffield communities next week right to, to all of the, the chamber members grand so you have uh, you have uh, you, ha- you have a, a, f- a family of supporters, if you like, here. Um, and it's growing week by week. So they're, <laughs> they're, they're our, uh, our backers and supporters so far. Uh, there's a list of several other uh, local organisations that I want to be adding onto the list. Right, grand. So these are uh, Sheffield Community Technologies is structured as a uh, social business um, yep. is it a community interest company or a company it's not no by... we're, we're a company limited by guarantee yeah and we've we're in the process of having our articles and association changed mm. where it's clearly defined that any profit which is created from the first venture sheffield independent business services yep. is locked into Sheffield Community Technologies. Right, I see. So going on to our medium to long-term vision, where every 12 months we want to go out to the people of Sheffield, seek their input on what their pain problems are, how can we help them. Yeah. We have a pot of cash set aside, which is there to help fund and develop our future ongoing technology I see. projects. Okay, great. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Sure thing. So uh, SIB, Sheffield Independent Business Services, is really the first uh, key project here. And you're launching yeah. on Monday, officially. M- M- Monday morning, we'll be going live. Yeah. Uh, I'll be sending out the first mail shot. I'll be picking up my f- the phone to local business owners saying, 
this is our proposition. This is what we offer. It's completely free of charge. It won't cost you anything. Uh, if we do uh, generate any fees or a commission back from uh, you changing a provider, it goes back into Sheffield Community Technologies to help create future platforms. Right. All we want is 15 to 20 minutes of your time. Sit down, understand your business. What are your pain points and problems? We'll go away, see how we can help. We'll go out to market to all of our uh, providers that we have relationships with and see what we can save. And so for a local independent business, as you say, it's free to do Absolutely. To do, this. do you then make um, uh, money? Does, is revenue generated from the, uh, the, the partner businesses to whom people switch? Uh, there is, yes. Uh, we, 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 it, it depends on the product provider. Yeah. It, it's not the same uh, and sort of uniform across the board. So some providers, yes, some providers, no. Uh, but again, we're, we're completely transparent on this. Yeah. Uh, our service agreement, which we provide to all businesses, it will show who does provide a fee to us and who doesn't. Okay, so the transparency is built in there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it has to be. And so in terms of your own sustainability, you, you've launched with support thanks to um, thanks to Unlimited. Yes. Um, and as you mentioned, um, the Social Enterprise Exchange Program is supporting you as well. Um, the um, Chamber are, are being supportive too. Um, what uh, what do you need then? How many clients do you need um, yeah. working with you for this to be sustainable beyond this launch? As many as possible. Yeah. Uh, that's the bottom line. Uh, we we want to talk to and we want to help all businesses. But th- this isn't the be-all and the end-all. No. It, 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 it's, a, it's a platform which I created off the back of input and the 25 business owners saying, Curtis, this is great, but what yes. else can you help us with? Yes. It's, it's there. It's just what I refer to as a value-added service for, for, for locals. Um, we have another grant which is due to be paid out towards mm-hmm. the end of the year, which will sustain us for a few more months. Mm-hmm. Um, the second venture, which w- w- we touched on briefly at the start, Lochi Pay. Yeah, I'd like to that, explore that a bit more. Yeah, so th- th- that stemmed from the My Sheffield Pound project, yes. which I started working on in March of 2016. Yeah. Um, I don't know if people have listened to a previous interview, but just very quickly, my background is a, a former banker. Indeed. And please don't hold that against me. Um, I, I walked away from a banking career after just not enjoying it anymore, seeing what banking is really like, mm-hmm. which instilled a vision and a mission in me to kind of correct the wrongs, so to speak, if that's the right term to use. Um so, so I've got my personal sort of uh, mission, w- w- which I want to uh, launch, which is a community-based peer-to-peer payment platform. This, this is what Lochi Pay is. So again, the, the, this is a cost reduction and a saving for local independent businesses. Yes. Where if you compare this to existing point of sale uh, and merchant providers, it's considerably less. Again, going back to the consultation period and also the social innovation study, which 
Um, there was a team of 20 students from Sheffield Hallam University. They also went out to yeah. market, spoke to residents, spoke to business owners. Uh, but one thing that stood out was a business on Division Street that was paying 3.75% for card payments. Okay. It's daylight so robbery. It's it's very high fees. Yeah. Uh, and especially, and these seem to be just generally accepted. Yeah, generally yeah. accepted. And if that business is taking 70% of its income and its sales through cards, they're, they're losing a mm. huge ch- chunk for, for no reason. So Lochi is a peer-to-peer mobile uh, payment platform, which is a low-cost uh, alternative for uh, locally independent businesses. Um, going back to my drive, my mission, um, I was lucky enough to start working with the Finance Innovation Lab in London. Yes, and indeed. I became a, a, a fellow in one of their programs, focusing on financial health, financial well-being. Mm. Um, ultimately, it's a think tank of like-minded individuals who've been pulled together to look at creating new financial technology products and platforms which helps to lessen the poverty premium yeah. that a lot of people across the UK, are, unfortunately, they have to pay due to their circumstances. Uh, look at uh, increasing financial health and well-being across the UK. Yeah. So L- L- Lochi has uh, inbuilt social missions into it where, on one hand, it's a cost reduction for local businesses. On the other hand, for a consumer... Well, why would they want to use it? What's in it for them? Yeah. So the first element for a consumer is the loyalty rewards and the discounts that they get back from the local merchants mm-hmm. for paying with Lochi. I see. Lochi isn't just a payment wallet. It's a community. Yeah. It's a community of local merchants and local residents who want to collectively try and create social impact. So you then build in a loyalty platform, a sort of membership, a community. Um, You have something called the Founders Club described on the uh, Lochi Pay website. And you already have um, uh, a number of testimonials and comments from people saying um, this is, in effect, game changing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, but that was really humbling, just sp- speaking to business owners, speaking to residents, yeah. handing over a prototype, watching them use it and just seeing their reaction. Yeah. And so, some of them even said, oh, yeah, I've been following you on Twitter, but I didn't think this was real or ever going to happen. No. It's it tangible. It's here. If, if, if this exists. If, if it, I hope that people do go onto the website and they can see a quick uh, video of the prototype they yeah. can see the steps for both a business owner and a consumer how easy it is to uh, a become a founding member because everybody is going to be a founding member of this yeah and um, and then also they can see all of the inbuilt features and ultimately why we're doing this and what our mission is so website lochipay l-o-c-i-p-a-y dot co dot uk Gives a description of mission. Um, describes your how that works for businesses and also for individuals as well. And um, describes local independent businesses, locally owned independent businesses here in Sheffield as a lifeblood for the region's economy. Mm-hmm. And um, how LochiPay is a digital payment wallet, but more um, will, as you as as you say. Um, 
enhance uh, local connectivity, help local businesses increase revenue, attract more customers, and, uh, and and so on, and how people can get involved. Yeah. So exciting opportunities here. And just wanted to mention something, because you did mention um, the Finance Innovation Lab a few minutes ago as, yes. as well. And uh, I think it's worth flagging that... Uh, they are part of something called the Fintech for All competition, which is being run by Tech City UK at the moment, open for entries. And if you if you listen to the programme and, you, and you're, um, uh, you, you've, you've, uh, you're a fintech business, um, then this competition is for you because Tech City's Fintech for All competition is looking for fintech startups who want to make financial services work for everyone so fintech for all competition um has a deadline of the 20th of october 2017 and details of this are at fintechforall.techcityuk.com um also worth taking a look at finance innovation lab you mentioned you're a fellow there yes curtis um and uh, i recommend following them on twitter at the finance lab um from from which you can access, of course, their website and, and see the kind of information they're putting out. So, a brief digression there. We're talking with Curtis Rice in the studio today about Pay, about Sheffield Community Technologies, and um, significant progress since you were last on the programme, a sort of pivot, if you like, or a further iteration of your own personal <sighs> business I- ideas. Um, it, yes, a, a, a pivot for my... Yeah. business by literally coming back to basics creating the community technology organization and really sort of putting it out there to say that this is a long-term mission that we're on yeah this is a long-term strategy every 12 months we want to launch a new technology platform which will benefit local residents business owners and the city of Sheffield as well. Got it. Yeah, great. But, but one final point I would just like to add, and this may be a bit of a shameless plug here, but um, after this interview, I'll be completing my application and submitting it to Sheffield Soup right? Uh, to hopefully be uh, accepted onto that and pitch at their event on the 27th. So I'm sure a lot of listeners out there uh, attend Sheffield Soup. Please Indeed. consider... Uh, when the when the um, voting pack goes out, please have a read through my application, my submission. Go onto uh, all of the websites uh, to have a read, get more details about what it is that I'm doing and our long term mission for Sheffield. Hopefully, we can chat. I see you uh, on the event, and hopefully, I'm uh, successful and a winner of uh, Sheffield Soup Twelve. Grand. Well, Sheffield Soup, indeed, real time community crowdfunding and. Um, um, and anyone can be a judge in terms of choosing the uh, four businesses that get to pitch on the night. Um, so I'm sure I'm, 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 many of us um, get involved. Um, we've talked about Sheffield Soup often on the, on the programme as well. So good. Thanks for that plug. A shameless, as you say, Curtis. Absolutely shameless. But My uh, apologies. If you want to give another shameless plug, um, can, you, uh, can you mention the websites, please, for, uh, for, for Lochi Pay? Um, and for um, Sheffield Community Technologies and for Sheffield Independent Business Services. There you go. Three shameless plugs coming up. (laughs) So, um, in fact, everything can be found on the one website, uh, which is all all of the W's dot Sheffield Community, all one word, dot technology. 
Lovely. Take a look there. And from there, you can find links through to Sheffield Independent Business Services, through which you can save money. Lochi Pay, um, community that we've described, and uh, Digital Payment Wallet, and much more. And uh, any people, of course, can get in touch with you um, through the links on those sites too. Absolutely. The links are there. My email is there. Um, there's also my office number and mobile number as well. So... Guys, I'm open for any questions, queries. If people want to get involved and help as well, by all means, it's in our name. It's Community Technologies. Grand. Well, Curtis Wright, thank you so much for joining us on the programme once again today. Uh, Loads of change since you uh, last been on. We'll have to get you on again in the future and see what uh, what further develops. Absolutely. Look but forward to all it. All the best with, uh, with um, Sheffield Independent Business Services on Monday. Uh, all the best with Sheffield Community Technologies and Lochi Pay. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Jamie and the listeners. This is Business Live, Sheffield Live's weekly business and social enterprise programme with me, Jamie Veach. Do you want to get involved? Do you want to be on the programme? Or would you like to comment on something we've discussed? Well, put yourself forward. Send me an email, jamie at sheffieldlive.org, or a text 07904 Find me, Jamie Veach, on Twitter. You can find Sheffield Live on Twitter as well. And whether you're starting or running a business or a social enterprise... Whether you're a business owner, whether you're self-employed, whether you're an employee, we're always keen to hear from you. So put yourself forward, come and be on the programme. We would welcome you. Now, we talked earlier on about how to use politicians to get what you want, and Scott Colvin knows exactly how to do that. He's written a book with the title, How to Use Politicians to Get What You Want. It's an award-winning book published in 2011, and on Monday... No, on Tuesday even. I was in London and I visited Scott in his office to find out more about his book and to get some tips and tricks that you can use if you want to help, if you want politicians to help you with influence. So we recorded a 25-minute interview with Scott and we're going to hear from Scott right now. So Scott, good morning. Thanks very much for joining me today. First of all, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. So um, I'm currently the Head of Public Affairs and a partner at a communications firm called Finsbury, um, which is based in London but has offices globally. Uh, I've been with the firm for eight years. Prior to that, I had a career in uh, politics, in party politics. Uh, I worked for the Conservative Party uh, a number of years ago. I've worked in the House of Commons. I've been a councillor um, for a four-year term in a uh, borough council in Surrey. And uh, I've been just in and around Westminster politics for the past 18 years and continue to find it fascinating. Okay, great. So you find it fascinating. Now, that really comes through in the book that you've uh, published and written, an award-winning book published uh, a couple of years ago, titled How to Use Politicians to Get What You Want. So distill that. What, what, uh, first of all, I'd like to ask why businesses and social enterprises listening to this need to think about getting politicians on their side. Sure. Actually, the main reason uh, that I wrote the book it was actually from a more like a consumer's perspective mm. or a community activist perspective, yes. yeah. rather than what I do in my day job, which is ultimately advising big corporates, major companies uh, to, 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 to engage with politicians. I wanted to flip it around mm. because my personal experiences as a consumer 
harnessing those tactics which I've used as in my day job have been incredibly beneficial whether it's campaigning to keep the local nursery open in my community which my which one of my children went to uh, whether it was uh, getting my boiler replaced when the company had effectively refused to do nothing whether it was tackling credit card companies that were imposing all sorts of unfair costs and fines which we, many of us experience I just suddenly realized that there was there was a way of harnessing the power of politicians both nationally and locally in a way that was good f- for us as individuals as communities and as consumers I think in terms of my key message really for for your audience is that it's easy to, to, to turn to turn your head away from the political sphere because it in so many ways it feels um, unsatisfactory as an experience but I think if you understand how politicians work what what kind of drives politicians to act in particular ways you can harness that for good both for yourself and for, for the wider community okay that's great so you can harness that understanding if you do understand how politicians work for good for the community and for the greater good and you say if you understand how politicians work. Now, this is really interesting, and you touch on this within the book. Many people have a jaundiced view of politics and of politicians, particularly post-expenses. Um, but also you talk about the three Ps that drive politicians, one of which is power. Now, is the jaundiced view that many listeners may have of politicians, is that fairly held? Or are they actually long-suffering, hard-working, and under um, and, and far too much pressure? from us what do you think they're a mix right? they're a mix like all of us are a mix I think broadly speaking from having spent a long time working with and, and talking to politicians it is it is a tough job now is it as tough a job as uh, you know being a refuse collector at 6am on a, on a rainy November perhaps, perhaps not is it as tough as being a, an overworked overstressed underpaid nurse probably not but it does but it is a tough job and it does have particular pressures you have pretty much no job security okay so you're only really elected for four to five years at a time if you're lucky unless the prime minister calls a snap election so you can lose your seat you can find yourself unemployed nobody wants to employ an ex-mp with a very small few exceptions really um it is uh it is a job where people begrudge every penny that you're given where people assume that you are doing wrong or ill, that you have a, a snout in a trough. And uh, so, it, so it is. It is very tough. You are constantly having to keep a whole range of audiences simultaneously happy, whether it's the electorate, whether it's the local media, whether it's your party association, the party whips that, in, that try to get government business through. It is incredibly difficult. So it's understanding those pressures on politicians and then ensuring that you can you, you can kind of modify your approach to get the best out of them. Okay, so uh, you're constantly under pressure if you're an MP for, from various directions, and um, and if we as consumers and as people active within our local community understand that, we're actually able to harness that and to get the best out of our elected representatives. Not only our elected representatives, but also you talk within the book about, for example, harnessing, um, say, the Minister for Consumer Affairs, a, 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 a very powerful position, particularly in, in the case that you've, you've talked about. So, can, um, politicians... Um, 
post uh, post career often no one wants to employ them under pressure from many many directions and could be un- unemployed quite quite rapidly um, how then do we as uh, as local activists get politicians on our side what do we need to do why should we engage politicians and what can they actually do for you okay so then i think politicians are surprisingly powerful uh, they you could often make the case that they don't have sufficient power in shaping major national decisions about whether we go to war or whatever it may be. But, but set that aside for a moment. In terms of, as individuals who have the weight to uh, pursue campaigns on your behalf with great effectiveness, they are very, very successful in doing that. And not enough people uh, use them for that purpose. So I'll give you an example. When I was working in the, in, 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 in the, for a company, I worked for an airport company, uh, the chief executive of that company took the view that if a politician of any kind, whether they're incredibly powerful or not, if they requested a meeting uh, with him, he would always give them a meeting uh, regardless. Because his concern, which was a, a real one, is... You never know when that MP might just decide to take on an issue which is against the interests of you, that company, and either speak in the House of Commons on that issue or table a, an EVM, an early day motion, which stipulates some kind of, uh, some kind of viewpoint of a group of MPs, um, or say something negative about you in the local media. So MPs are recognised in the kind of corporate world as having enough power to make you take them very seriously. The same applies in the local community. And I think what you can do is, if you already have a campaign that's already kind of there, kind of fully formed in your mind, having a, having a politician on that campaign really adds additional weight. It adds, adds additional opportunities for publicity, and it, it still makes certain people in certain positions wake up and take notice. Okay. So a politician can make people wake up, can make people take notice. And you talked about uh, tabling something called an early day motion, an EDM, and how the media can then take a lot of notice of that. And, and within the book you talk about the, um, whether EDMs are actually uh, have a point or, or not, but certainly they get something into the media. The media will often take notice of an EDM that's, that's been tabled as well. So corporates may be quite scared of, of that. So if you get your MP on side, get them tabling an EDM, get them naming and even shaming a business that, that is uh, um, doing harm within the community, a business is quite scared of that. Yes, that's yeah. absolutely right. I mean, I'll give you another example. I ran a campaign, uh, We uh, this was uh, about 15 years ago, in the town that I was living at that point, we used to have five sub-post offices. So that shrunk down to uh, down to two, and then to one, and then it seemed as though that final post office was under threat, which meant that people would have to drive many miles mm. to, to just simply post a letter. Yeah. Um, we, I took the view that I, I thought post offices were part of the community. They are particularly uh, beneficial to people who, um, for example, elderly people. It gives yeah. them that kind of opportunity to speak to somebody. Uh, on a day-to-day basis, that real kind of community feel. Um, and, and what I did is, in the end, uh, you know, the usual 
the usual system is you know you, you, you sign a petition and uh, you send it off to the post office or whatever it may be. What I did is I got my local MP involved and got uh, a, a petition together, but one in which I then went to the House of Commons and presented that to him. We got a fantastic photograph. It went into the regional newspaper on a double-page colour spread. It, and, and to be honest, it was about 300 signatures, so this is not right. world-changing. But we turned that 300-signature uh, piece of paper into a big you know, double-page spread. He then went into the House of Commons and, in a debate on the future of post offices, then raised, he said, just today I've had a petition from one of my constituents, Scott Colgan, who has presented this to me. Uh, I then took that, I then also then wrote a, a submission to a parliamentary committee, um, which was then called the Trade and Industry Committee, which was then looking into the future of post offices in, in rural towns. And so this, from this one thing, 300 signatures, we just expanded it out. Now guess what happened? The post of the head of the post offices called, asked, to, asked to see me, because he had seen his coverage and had seen my submission to the select committee, asked to see me along with the, the local MP, and guess what? We saved the post office, you know, and he found a solution because he understood the pressure that was being exerted upon him. Yes, indeed. So a solution was able to be found because of the, of the pressure you put and the exposure that your, your work gave the issue. Yes, yes. And, of course, post offices are one of the most valued um, local um, amenities. Oh, in fact, we, we covered this in, in the programme last Friday when we talked about the, the most valued local shops and amenities in high streets these days. So uh, a, a success there within the campaign. Now, I wanted to touch on something that um, you just mentioned, a, a petition of 300 signatures. Within the book, you've talked about um, if five or more people write to an MP, then they will probably feel that there are at least 100 people locally in their constituency who care about an issue. Therefore, it could be a tipping point in terms of their potential re-election, and it's likely that they might do something about it. That's really interesting. I wanted to ask you about campaigning sites like 38 Degrees that make it really easy for people to press a button an email, a templated email to an MP. Has that changed things since, since the book was uh, published? Do MPs sort of look at a huge number of emails coming in to them, but which are all the same because they've been created by templates? And um, is it more effective to write your own letter rather than send an email to, yeah, to an MP? Very much so. I would always urge you to take the time to write an individual letter about any given issue because that indicates to the, the politician or policymaker that somebody cares passionately enough to have taken the time out to have written a special email or a letter. And if that issue is then raised by a number of people, um, uh, but with the, with the letters or emails making the same point but written in a different way, that would really take them, make them take notice. And yeah. that is, there becomes a tipping point when the MP or the councillor will then decide that they'll have to do something about it, make representations about it. The problem with the mass email format is that everyone knows it can be done so easily that it's a kind of lazy way of, of, of engaging in an issue. Yes. Uh, a little bit like if you're shopping in the town centre on a Saturday afternoon and somebody says, you know, please stop cruelty to animals, sign my petition, 
while all it's been is one squiggle of paper is taking you two seconds of your time, mm. um, what, what really shows that you care is that you have taken the time to think through your arguments and to, and to draft and write them out. There is, uh, I don't know if it's still the case, but certainly when I was a councillor, a, a group of, of, of petition signatures or mass emails, which are all from a template, uh, ultimately get considered as one objection to something. Is that right? Yeah. Mm. So that you've got to be very careful of that. Um, you know, even getting 800 people on a, on, on a petition doesn't necessarily mean that they would be considered as 800 representations. It may just be considered as one. Right. Okay. That's really interesting to know that. Thank you. And you've talked within the book, and, and you've alluded to this earlier in the interview, about the power of um, copying other people within within correspondence, relevant people. So if you're writing to an MP, and it's appropriate to do so, um, showing them that your letter has been um, CC'd or, or sent a copy off to, to, to other people. Similarly, if you're, you're raising a consumer complaint, uh, telling the chief executive of a business, of a corporate, for example, that a copy of your letter has gone to your local MP and, say, to the Minister uh, for Consumer Affairs. So um, that sort of leverage proves to be quite powerful. It does. It makes all the difference. Um, and if there was one takeaway, I, I, would, I would say to people, as a consumer, if you're taking away from yeah. the book that I wrote, I would say that that is the key part. Right. That is the absolutely key part. So let's take an example. Let's say, uh, let's say you've had a dreadful experience on an airline. Let's say your flight was delayed for 15 hours. You've got no information and your baggage went missing. Okay. So what most people tend to do is they will find out what the customer services number of that airline is and they will call up and they will wait on hold for 45 minutes or more, get through to somebody, probably the phone goes down at some point during that conversation, phone back up, another 45 minute wait, feel very frustrated, don't feel as though any progress gets made. Some people take it a step further and think, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write to the, the chief executive of that airline and just make my complaint. And that's fine. But what I always suggest you do, because that email to that, that letter or email to the chief executive will get passed on to someone in customer services. Yes. It immediately doesn't even, it won't even be read by the chief executive. However, if you send it to the chief executive and you copy it into the Minister for Consumer Affairs, the Minister for Aviation, the Secretary of State for Transport, um, the, 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 the chief executive of the passenger uh, consumer group, um, which name uh, currently escapes me, uh, but there is one for, yes. for, for aviation and transport, um, your local MP, uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. Uh, this will, I guarantee you, in fact, I'll say, okay, I'll say nine times out of ten, you will get a, a very, very good response from that email, yeah. letter, or inquiry. It happens nine times out of ten. Every time that I do it, I get direct responses. In fact, one time, which was a, a story I covered in the book around a boiler issue yes, uh, with indeed. British gas, uh, having spent two weeks pretty much without heating... Um, with small children in your house. With small yeah. children in, in kind of, you know, early, early spring... Uh, getting absolutely no uh, no response whatsoever, I just suddenly realised what a, what a fool I need to uh, I need to use the the kind of tactics that I would use in my day to day job, and uh, I won't bore you with the full details of it. But the ultimate by copying everyone in and by you know by being very clear about what I wanted, I got 
the chief executive of the parent group of British Gas, who was at that time Sam Laidler of Centrica, yeah. to personally, he personally responded to my, to, to my email. And within 24 hours, I, the, a part which had, to be manu, which had to be manufactured from scratch in a factory in France was manufactured, flown over overnight, and was installed by the top technical specialist for British Gas in the whole of the region. <laughs> and I had the, the chief executive's own director of customer services, based somewhere up in North, I think, who was on the line to me three times over the course of the day to ensure that my customer experience yes. in 24 hours had been sufficient. And that all came because of this technique. So what an astounding re result and um, an effective technique, as you say. Great. And you've talked also about... Um, about uh, telephoning a, um, a customer service line for a wine company that had uh, overcharged you. They, well, they'd, they, they had buried something within the small print about, uh, about taking payment from you, and it was clearly a, a technique that they w were using and how you got to redress and got a refund that they didn't want to give you. Do you want to just uh, expand on that one as well? Yeah, so that one, I think, was a, an occasion where I signed up one of these, these, you know, these discounted wine offers. Um, didn't realise a small print, which was buried very deeply, which was, uh, yeah, you were effectively required in some sort of dreadful contract which you couldn't get out of. Um, so called them out, felt like I'd been misled. Um, so I uh, went through uh, all of the, uh, the rigmarole that you get go through on customer services, uh, eventually was told, sorry, nothing we can do, you know, hard luck. And I stopped them at that point. I said, look, um, okay, so you're telling me that the company will refuse to take any further action to, to remedy my concerns. I want to just explain to you uh, what I'm now going to do, and I want you to write this down if you could. And I want you then to speak to your um, whoever your line manager is to explain what, what I as a customer are about to do. And I went through the whole list and I said, yeah, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to write to the Minister for Consumer Affairs. Because by the way, no one ever, outside of a very small number of people in Westminster, even know that there's a job called the Minister for mm, Consumer indeed. Affairs or even who that person is. Yes. Uh, currently a lady called Margot James. Uh, but it's uh, but but it sounds great. It sounds powerful. Minister of Consumer Affairs. I don't want to upset that person. Yes. So I explained to the lady on the phone. Look, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to uh, write to your chief executive. I'm going to uh, you know my local MP is going to be involved. You know, blah, blah, blah. and she sounded a little bit concerned. She said, Well, just hang on a moment. I'll, I'll speak to my line manager. And then came straight back on the phone. You know, two minutes later, and said, Yes, look, no problem. We are we are going to refund your money. Immediately, be with you in two days, and you know, sincere apologies um, for any, uh, you know, any trouble this has caused you, etc. Why? So it's sort of, you know. Um, and this was the line manager who hadn't actually been available to speak to you when you'd asked to speak with that person. Um, yeah. and, uh, but suddenly the person, the representative you're talking with, with is able to get something done when you, uh, when, when you spell out what, what your yeah. next steps are. And it's particularly good, where, particularly when you have companies, uh, organisations, where there is some form of like, regulation, mm. whether, it's, uh, you know, whether it's a utilities company, for example, that has a regulator, or whether, um, in one other instance, I, I did this with, with a bank, so it was a Barclays bank, where they had, you know, we all know the story, you, 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 go, over, you, you go over your overdraft for you know, a few hours for you know, two or three pounds by accident, 
and then you discover you've got a twenty-five pound charge yeah. applied to your account. Um, I took 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 this on um, uh, through the usual customer services route, got nowhere, and eventually, because I knew uh, the kind of sensitivities around the bank at that time, post financial crisis. I had Bob Diamond himself, who was then the chief executive of that yeah. big American uh, you know, personality, uh, with mixed opinions about him. But anyway, yeah. he, he, he personally wrote a letter to me. I've still got it at home. He, he wrote a letter, hand-signed by him, which basically over, overwrote the charges. Because I said to him, I, I'm going to go and write, make representations to the Financial Services Authority, your regulator. I'm going to speak to the Minister for, for uh, Consumer Affairs, speak to Treasury Ministers who... Uh, oversee the banking system and it becomes one of those things where and it's a little bit like in my old job in the airports sector as well is if somebody had a bad customer experience and they were asking for effectively something some compensation for a meal that they had to have you know we're talking about you know 80 pounds or 100 pounds or 150 pounds my chief executive used to say to me why am i going to endanger or threaten or risk my reputation or the company's reputation for 150 pounds Yes. We're a £15 billion pound company. Just pay them off. Get rid of them. You know, mm-hmm. Get rid of the problem. Mm. And you can use that for your own benefit. Yes. That's um, basically what I'm trying to get across in this book. So there's a real key takeaway there for listeners, I think, in terms of uh, leverage and, uh, and how to do that. I think that's very, very valuable. Uh, quick question, Scott, if I may. If you're a, a locally based business or social enterprise and you're thinking of uh, organising, I don't know, a launch event for a new product or, or something you're doing, many people will think, oh yes, I'll invite my local MP and then we can get in the local papers and the local press and so on. Now, what if your local MP is from a party and you personally and other people don't, you know, you don't share their values, you don't say share their political beliefs. Is it, is it still worth doing? Um, how, how do you do it? Why should you perhaps do it anyway? If you're, if you, you know, if you're, um, if you're launching something, um, is it worth inviting the MP? Yeah, no, I, I, my personal view and uh, not everyone will, uh, you know, Perhaps there are people with more purist views on these on these issues. I think your responsibility is to engage with whomever is the elected representative for your area, yeah. whether that's an MP or whether those are councillors. And whether or not your personal political views chime with theirs, personally, I wouldn't worry about that. I would focus on harnessing the good that they can bring yes. um, for your organisation or your campaign. And don't get too bogged down in whether or not you have uh, a personal issues. Now, there may be, obviously, some instances where you may be running a business which has, um, for example, it could, it could be involved in international development um, or it could be involved in environmental issues and your local representative uh, has made it very clear that, for example, the UK should scrap its overseas aid budget. Now, on that, in that instance, there may well be a reason not to engage with the MP, and there may be other routes around it. But I do think that's probably going to be a very small, tiny percentage of instances. Aside from that, be pragmatic and harness the influence and uh, connections that they can bring to you. Okay, great. Well, that's been really, uh, really insightful, Scott. Thank you so much for joining us on the programme today. And, of course, people can get hold of your book, if you want to give out the title yourself, I've already mentioned the title, but 
your turn. Sh- shameless, but I'm, I'm happy to do so. Uh, so the book is called How to Use Politicians to Get What You Want, uh, and you can buy it from all sorts of uh, standard uh, book sites, Amazon and uh, the publisher itself called Bites Back. Um, but uh, yeah, I hope, I hope you get the chance to read it and enjoy it. Excellent, super. And you yourself, you're on Twitter, Scott, so people can find you there. Again, I'll let you give your Twitter handle, your Twitter address out, if I may, so that be, because I know you're quite responsive. You're very responsive to uh, requests for help and, and support. So uh, would you like to give that the address? Yeah, so my, my Twitter handle is, is at Scott Colvin. That's all one word, and that's S-C-O-T-T-C-O-L-V-I-N. And I am more than happy, I'm always more than happy, if people want to flag up uh, an issue that they personally have and want some advice, um, I'm, I'm always very happy to provide that um, completely free of charge, of course. Thank you so much for joining us on the programme today. Scott, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. This is Business Live, Sheffield Live's weekly business and social enterprise programme with me, Jamie Veach. That was Scott Colvin. He's the author of the book, How to Use Politicians to Get What You Want. And he was giving his tips, his advice. This is how you can assert your rights as a citizen. You can make things happen. Loads of useful and thought-provoking ideas within that interview. If you've only just tuned in, if you've missed it, then don't panic because the podcast of today's radio program will be up on the Sheffield Live website from about 11am today. Go to sheffieldlive.org, look up radio shows, find Business Live, and then you'll be able to find today's program from the 15th of September. Also on the show today, we've heard from Curtis Wright. He was on the program earlier and he was talking about Lochi Pay and about uh, Sheffield Community Technologies, his, uh, his community social business backed by Social Enterprise Exchange Program and by Unlimited. Again, if you've only just tuned in and you've missed that, it's worth listening to. Catch the podcast later. Talking about the Social Enterprise Exchange Programme, um, they have a Lunch Plus event coming up next Friday. Look up Social Enterprise Exchange online or on Twitter for more details and uh, find out more. And talking about asserting your rights as a citizen. And uh, that's what we covered in the Scott Colvin interview. Well, the new £10 note has made its way into... Well, it's been launched yesterday um, and, and has become uh, legal tender yesterday. So now in circulation. And that marks a huge victory for citizens asserting their rights, of course, because uh, four years ago, Caroline Criado Perez started a campaign to ensure that women were represented on banknotes after the Bank of England had announced that Winston Churchill was going to um, um, go on to the uh, note. But no, we have Jane Austin on the new £10 note, thanks to Caroline's campaign, which generated over 35,000 signatories to a petition, got national momentum, loads of coverage. Bank of England um, initially didn't uh, want to... um, do this, but Caroline and her supporters crowdfunded £13,000 to challenge the bank in court under the Equalities Act. And so finally, the Bank of England announced that Jane Austen would appear on the new £10 note. And uh, the new £10 note came into circulation yesterday. Of course, it's uh, polymer. It also includes some dots in the top left-hand corner, some some raised dots, uh, somewhat akin to Braille, so that uh, people who are blind or visually impaired, can um, can quickly identify the note. Have you had a £10 note yet? 
If you have, what do you think of it? Let me know. I think that's it for today's programme. My thanks to you for listening. My thanks to Scott Colvin for an excellent interview, which he uh, recorded in London with me on Tuesday, and which we've just played. And my thanks to Curtis Wright for a great interview earlier on today too. Also thanks to Sangeeta in the radio studio with us as our sound engineer. We'll be back on air next Friday, so tune in then. Tune in then. Don't go away now, though, because next up is our fantastic folk music programme. Thank goodness it's folk from 10 all the way through to noon. We're going to have one minute of music, though, before then. Thanks for listening. This has been Business Live with me, Jamie Veach. We're open for Business Live. This is Sheffield Live.